Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com, you can find it there. Or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Ben Maller Show on Fox Sports Radio. So I assume you saw some of the Monday night game, but maybe not. The 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, suffering, defeat, the agony of defeat. First loss of the year for the Niners. And uh, and the game actually lived up to the hype. I mean, I'd like to sit here and say it was terrible, it was horrible. It was sloppy, but it was not a, uh, a, a game that lacked drama at all, a thriller. 
in Santa Clara as the 49ers go down, and it was a game filled with screw-ups. But at the, people remember the end and the dramatic moments and all that, but uh, somebody named Jason Myers, I don't know if he's related to my guy Mark Myers, but Jason Myers kicked Who? a 42-yard field goal. That was only after somebody named Chase McLaughlin missed a chip shot, which should have been a chip shot for a professional kicker in overtime, and so the Seahawks hand the 49ers the big L. Eat the L! You're losers! Eat the L! All right, first loss of the year, 27-24. Let's discuss the question. And in a game like this, this is a, this is a legit question. Uh, you talk about Monday night, close game, a lot of mistakes. Did the Seahawks actually win the game, or did the 49ers lose the game? Uh, and the, the easy answer is that both of them tried to lose the game. It's like both attempted to commit the crime of defeat. However, the one that was successful was the 49ers, and the better story is in the losing locker room, so we're going to focus mostly on the 49ers here as the Seattle Seahawks get the win. But you've got rainbows, Darwinism, and bubbly. And we will combine all these things together and make some baba ganoush is what we're going to make. Now, A, the 49ers... At the beginning of this game, not to flash back to the very beginning, but the 49ers came out like gangbusters. They jumped out. They had a 10 nothing lead. You're like, wow, they're playing at a different speed than Seattle. And then the Seahawks, they couldn't do anything on offense. It, it looked like they hadn't been practicing all week in the lead-up to the game. They were totally uh, twisted around like they had their shoelaces tied together. And that's not hyperbole to point out the fact and to highlight the fact the Seattle Seahawks on offense – their first four possessions, punt, 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 punt. Four punts to start the game. And then the next two possessions, fumble, fumble. They turned the ball over on a fumble. So the first six possessions, four punts and two fumbles. And then they punted again. So 0 for 7 possession-wise to start the game. But did the Niners build up a 28 to nothing lead? No. They could not do that. They were unable to build up a gigantic lead, and that turned out to bite them in the tuchus in, in late in the game there. And in overtime, it, it should, the game should have never gone to overtime. That that turned out to kick them in the nuts. And, and while this temp kicker, Chase McLaughlin, m- missed horribly, like I think I could have done better than that. He totally shanked it. <laughs> right? It was embarrassing. Uh, it, it should have never come down to that. This game is on, despite that, despite him missing the kick and everyone pointing the finger at him, I, I'm going Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, we were talking about this in the hallways before the show, but that was a mistake-filled mess. This is an example of why uh, some that work for the 49ers are not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. I brought this up a couple weeks ago, and a bunch of arrogant, pompous 49er fans are like, no, Mallard, you don't know what you're talking about. You're blowing smoke. Okay. Well, the guy I saw play quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, was terrible. Got worse as the game went on. And for the second half of this game, all right, for the second half of the game, Jimmy Garoppolo might as well have been chasing rainbows because he would have had more success finding a rainbow than he would uh, consistently completing passes. His pocket presence was horrendous for most of this game. Garoppolo also, I, I've noticed, and I don't know if this always is the case, but he, he seems to rarely be able to escape uh, when when the collapse of the pocket inevitably happens. And the, the great quarterbacks are usually able to, to, like a snake, 
like uh, the slither out of the pocket. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't seem to be able to do that very often. Uh, but the 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 game as it progressed, he got continually worse. He did. His mistakes handed the game to the Seahawks, even though you say, well, they still had a chance to win the game. He lost two fumbles. He had an interception. I counted at least three, if not four. I wrote down a little note. There were at least three or four other passes that should have been intercepted, that that should have been picked off, that were not picked off by incompetent Seattle defensive players. The Seahawks scored 14 points directly off Jimmy Garoppolo miscues. 14 points in a game that ended up 27-24. You, you, you've handed the game with those turnovers and, and the mistakes and setting up Seattle uh, with, with these 14 points. I think it was even more than that because I don't think I'm including the Jadavian Clowney play. Clowney who scooped up a fumble and went in and scored a touchdown. But in the second half of the game, all right, now Garoppolo accounted for at least 14, if not 21, but in, in, he finished with a 66.2 passer rating. He averaged Garoppolo about 58 four yards per attempt, which is not very not very good at all. Uh, and then part B, this, the, the, the Niners, now I've already seen some of this, so I might as well try to nip this in the bud. Some of the 49er apologists are making excuses. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault to you know, get a little violin out, play a little violin music for, for the, uh, the Niner fans. They didn't have George Kittle, the tight end. They didn't have him. They didn't have Emmanuel Sanders for a big chunk of the game. He got knocked out with a rib injury. It's not Jimmy Garoppolo's fault that he drowned. No, it's not. The 49er receivers bobbled a bunch of passes. Did they do that? Yes, they did. A lot of dropsies. Did they force the 49er receivers, did they force Jimmy Garoppolo to fumble the football multiple times? I, I don't believe they did. I don't think that any uh, 49er receiver forced Garoppolo to do that. But these were self-inflicted wounds. Most of them were self-inflicted wounds. And he was not on the same wavelength, Garoppolo, with those receivers. You say, well, they're backups. But the way I look at this, the greats are able to perform at a relatively high level with secondary receivers, right? You have to act like a chameleon as a quarterback when your receivers go down. You must adapt or you die and you lose in football parlance. You lose. You don't die, but you lose a game. It's football Darwinism is what it is, the survival of the fittest. And plus, Jimmy Garoppolo started – let's just – you break the game down into quadrants, if you will. Uh, Garoppolo started – completely screwing up in the second half. There were a bunch of sacks. He, the, the pocket presence we talked about was all messed up, but Garoppolo got progressively worse as the game won. Kind of like my gallbladder last week got progressively worse as uh, it continued on. But but Jimmy G, in the second half, he was 12 of 26 for 108 yards, no touchdowns, an interception, was sacked three times, had a passer rating that is Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, on a bad day like, or Nathan Peterman, I guess would be the better example there, his passer rating Garoppolo in the second half was 41.8 was his passer rating. And that includes overtime. He averaged 4.1 yards per attempt. Remember, the Niners tied the game because of a defensive touchdown. It was not. It was a big play by the defense. It was not a, a play by the 49ers offense that set that up. The, the Niners defense made a big play. Against Seattle. All right, last thing on this. So we'll hear from some of the sound from the locker room. Had Jimmy Garoppolo, here's my theory, had he simply taken care of the football in regulation, 
the 49ers defense is good enough, they would have won the game. All right, this is that's why I said you you can blame the idiot kicker, and that's the simpleton's way to look at it, and say Chase McLaughlin blew the game. But if Garoppolo just plays mistake-free football, the Niners likely win this game in regulation. They don't have to worry about going overtime. The other thing, obviously, is that somewhere there's a bunch of old dudes like named Larry Zonka and Mercury Morris and Bob Greasy and all those other guys that are still around from the 1972 Dolphins that are celebrating and, and, and cracking open the bubbly to celebrate as yet again another NFL season has come and gone and there will not be a team that goes 16-0 and then goes out and wins the Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. The Niners the last of the unbeatens. Now, we still have a chance to have our third 0-16 team in the National Football League in my uh, lifetime, in recent lifetime uh, for everybody, like the last uh, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Could have three 0-16 teams. That, and we need the Bengals to lose out. And the problem is the Bengals have a lot of games that are very winnable uh, the rest of the way. But you still got a chance at that. Uh, and, and, and so let's hear from some of the participants. How about Mike... Shanahan's kid, Kyle Shanahan. I wonder how he got his head coaching job. I'm sure his last name had nothing to do with it. Anyway, here's Kyle Shanahan pointing out the injury excuse. He's he's using the injury card from the bottom of the deck. Um, I mean, I mean they're our, our two best playmakers, so it definitely Kittle it and definitely Sanders a, takes a toll. Um, we knew that coming in with um, George. Um, we George, kind of George, realized that George, that was going to happen George. today, and um, you know Emmanuel was out there battling. Um, had that happen with his ribs. He tried to go a few more series longer, but um, had to pull. He had to go out. Um, other guys came in and got some guys stepped it up at times. Um, we, uh, we just didn't at have times. the consistency out there. Yeah. Okay. Now, who could have predicted? I don't know anyone who said anything on the radio about Emmanuel Sanders being injury prone. I don't know anyone. Why would anyone have said that? Why would anybody have said that if you look at Emmanuel Sanders' age and his history that he would have been likely to get hurt at some point with the Niners? Uh, Richard Sherman, who this must sting for Sherman, the old Seahawk player back in the glory days, the Legion of Boom here, and he is about to drop some wisdom, the 49er defensive back, on what a loss means. You learn more in the loss than you do in the win oh, good. most times. Bengals uh, have so learned the I most. that's the silver lining. Uh, you always learn more from a loss. Um, so I'm sure guys will take that and take the lessons that they need from that. Um, you know, we, we had a chance to win. We didn't. Um, find out a way to correct those things and be better. Um, but it's a good lesson. you gotta learn. You got to learn during the season. You know, in order to win championships, you got to have these lessons. Um, and they battle. So if the Patriots, remember when they went 16-0 during the regular season and they lost the Super Bowl? If they lost, like, in week 14, they would have won the Super Bowl that year. I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I always love, oh, you learn more from a loss than a win. Of course, I think the Cincinnati Bengals must be the smartest team in football, right? I mean, they're 0-9. They're dominating the loss column. All right, let's hear from Jimmy Garoppolo. Talked how bad Garoppolo was in the second half. He had a bunch of turnovers, two fumbles lost. He also had an interception. Should have had probably five interceptions by the time if Seattle players just catch passes that were thrown to them by Garoppolo. Anyway, here's Garoppolo pointing out uh, he effed up. You know, I think uh, we just had too many self, self-imposed self uh, you know, mistakes. And Stealing I think that's, my that's what it is. You know, when you put yourself behind like that, it's hard to catch up. So, uh, you know, just little things we got to clean up. 
Yeah. No, big fumbles and interceptions are not little things. Those are not little things. That's a lie. Uh, now, I, I did see Russell Wilson after the game, and I wanted to mention this because I got a kick out of it. He was being interviewed by uh, Lisa Salters there on the post-game festivities after Monday night, and he said, quote, that's probably the craziest game I've ever played in, uh, he said, uh, which tells you that, that he's he, – possibly got amnesia and he he's blocked out the Malcolm Butler interception in the Super Bowl that he's he's just completely blocked that out from his memory which is good that's a good thing and then Russell Wilson went deep into sportscliche.com and said following the Seahawks win a game that was gifted to them on a silver platter he said that's what championship teams do so if this I love that quote that's what championship teams do it's wonderful so if the Seahawks had lost that game, then they would not be a championship team. But since they won the game, they're a championship team. But then George, Richard Sherman rather said, "Well, we're, we're, you learn more from a you learn more from a defeat." So would the Seahawks have been better off losing that game? Hmm. Deep thoughts. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we, we're not going to get too far away from the Monday night game. The Seattle Seahawks pull it out in overtime, 27-24. to 24. The 49ers, the fact that they had opportunities to win the game when Jimmy Garoppolo puked all over the field the entire second half is stunning. And if Garoppolo had just been a game manager and not effed up the game in regulation, the, the Niners' defense was playing well enough where they would have won the game. The first, uh, I think it was the first seven possessions, we talked about it earlier, first seven possessions of the game, the Seahawks either punted or fumbled the ball away. But it was only a 10-point game. And the, the 49ers, uh, they were unable to build up a big lead. So that's the the game Monday night in a nutshell. We'll get back to that. But there's other stuff going on. For example, uh, we've often said that the basketball season, the pro basketball season begins in about 40 days, a little over 40 days. I think it's 43 days from Christmas. And that's when the NBA will throw a gaggle of games up, and that is the the curtain rising. This is like a soft launch. You open a restaurant, you have a soft launch, and then you have the main event. Well, the main event's not until Christmas, but the Days of Our Lives drama playing out in real time in Gotham. So we mentioned this earlier, but maybe you were not listening. You might have missed it. There's confusion and disorder raining down from the top of Madison Square Garden right over Penn Station there. The New York Knickerbockers are off to a 2-8 start. Oh, my God, the Knicks are 2-8, which I believe is a birthright for the Knicks to be 2-8. They've had a couple of embarrassing home losses, which has led to rampant speculation that Coach David Fisdale is about to walk the plank Now, nobody really wants to spend that much time breaking down David Fisdale as coach of the Knicks, but we are told the team president, someone named Steve Mills, has begun the process or process internally of disposing of the Knickerbocker coach. I don't understand why it's that hard. Take that for data. If you're the president of the team and the owner agrees, fire the coach. Uh, That's pretty simple. 
right? Rinse, wash, and repeat. That's how the Knicks do things. So the Knicks brass believe the roster is good enough to compete with the other teams in the Eastern Conference. That the East is not that good, and while the Knicks roster is not going to win a championship, it should be competitive for a playoff appearance. The Knicks don't look like they're anywhere near a playoff appearance. They look like they have a much better chance of finishing with the worst record in the NBA. Uh, They blow. They're terrible, Um, which is the same old song and dance for the Knicks. So David Fisdale hung out to dry uh, as the, the team has, according to the president of the Knicks, Steve Mills, had a lack of consistent uh, level of performance, uh, execution, effort, all those things. Uh, I paraphrase that, but he said most of that. All right, so let's discuss. All right, the question, all right, how much of the blame pie goes to David Fisdale for this wretched start of the Knicks? Now, I'm going to give him 60% of the blame pie. He gets 60% of the blame pie. You've got my observations, obscenity, $3 bill, and the dead end street. And we will lock all these things together. Now, number one, number I, one, I have only seen the Knicks play a couple of times here, so it's not like I have watched every Knicks game because they don't pay me enough to watch every Knicks game. I don't, but uh, it pops up in my rotation in the early portion of the NBA night. Uh, I've seen a couple of their games. I saw a game against the Celtics, for example, uh, earlier this year. But it, it is not, it's not something that I go out of my way to watch the Knicks. They're not must-see TV. Now, that's it. Uh, you know how when you're watching a basketball game or any sport, you know, if you're a sports fan, we're all sports fans, so you know when a team is well coached, you know when a team is prepared, you know when a team knows what they're supposed to be doing, and you also know when they're not doing those things. You're aware of that as well. And it's kind of like the Supreme Court, famous Supreme Court uh, ruling years ago, the, the threshold for obscenity, right? The threshold for obscenity in porn was I know it when I see it. Right, that was the argument by one of the Supreme Court justices back in the day, a guy named Porter Stewart. And it was asked, it was about porn and obscenity. He said, I know it when I see it. Well, the Knicks have been obscene, all right? That's an obscenity. Knicks basketball. The players have changed. The performance has not. They went out and signed a bunch of D-list free agents and a, and a B-list free agent, Julius Randle was the headliner. They bought a bunch of other guys in, and the goal was not to win a championship. The goal was to be competitive. How's that working out? There's a lack of execution on both sides of the ball. Now, the biggest indictment is a guy that was drafted by Phil Jackson in the lottery back in 2017. Uh, and, and this is a the, the point guard, Frank Nielakina who has been a hot mess. The guy, I guess he was from Belgium or something like that. But he's, Who? He can't shoot. He's terrible. He's slow. Alfred Payton Never heard of also him. stinks. New York, they've got this plodding, slow-moving style, uh, the, the way they've played, the, the games I've seen them in, which can work if you have Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley on your team. <laughs> They ain't walking through those doors. They're either banned from Madison Square Garden or they're coaching somewhere else. The Knicks have suffered uh, recent blowout losses at home to Sacramento and then on Sunday, Cleveland. And Cleveland is such a dumpster fire, and they ran through the Knicks, the Knicks, and that led to Steve Mills having the news conference to announce that, hey, this is unacceptable. This is not going to get it done here. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so owner James Dolan... He freaked out, which led to that bizarro world night of condemnation from the brass of the New York Knicks. Executives apologizing uh, 
and taking the blame for the New York Knicks performance. Now, I love the accountability, but it's also, of course, mixed with pointer, you know, pointing the finger at David Fisdale, but it makes for good talk radio. Now, the second thing here, this David Fisdale guy, he's an interesting character uh, in all of this because over the years, he has been one of the better sound bites in the NBA. And I recall when he coached in Memphis, he had a couple of iconic meltdowns with the media, and we play some drops from time to time from David Fisdale. You might not even know it's David Fisdale, but I believe he was hired in part because of statesmanship, that he is a buddy-buddy with a lot of these big-name players. He was an assistant coach in Miami, tight with LeBron James. Uh, He was tight with D. Wade, the former star Dwayne Wade, when he was in Miami. So the belief was the selling point of Fisdale was hire this guy. He's got the ability to deal with people. He's a people person. He can recruit big-name free agents to Madison Square Garden. Now, he's only had a couple of years on the job, but so far the gift for Gab has not paid off. Uh, and, And He sucked at a time you cannot suck. On the surface... It seemed like a good idea, right? Right out of central casting. Fisdale looks, dresses the part of a traditional NBA coach. People person, as we said. But when you peel back the facade, you realize that Fisdale apparently is as phony as a $3 bill. And a guy doesn't know what he's doing as a coach. And you say, well, I know the argument is, well, you can't win if you don't have players. I know that's always the NBA counterargument. That's true. You cannot win a championship without great players. But that doesn't mean you can't compete. You can't compete. Try. Put some effort out there. It's amazing what can happen. Like, look at the Phoenix Suns, for example. Now, the Phoenix Suns have had a bunch of lottery picks. They hired Monty Williams, who's apparently a pretty good coach, because the Suns are actually fighting back. They're competing. They're winning some games against good teams, the Phoenix Suns. Uh, Now, the, the, the Knicks don't have the talent level that the Suns have, but that's just an example. I'm just using that as an example. Good coaching, and we've often preached about this from our bully pulpit here, that good coaching is merely putting players in position to succeed, finding their weaknesses, and keeping them away from their weaknesses, right? The Knicks are always swimming against the current. I mean, every year they're swimming against the current, the Knicks. And I have no skin in the game. I'm not a Knicks fan at all. I got family in New York. That's their problem. I got my own problems. I don't even worry about that. Now, the final point. The fact that it only took 10 games for the Knickerbockers to break into pieces, all right, is I think that's a new record and the collapse, right? That's impressive for a franchise that has perennially been a dumpster fire. You know how some franchises are always contenders to make the playoffs and to go far in the playoffs? And then you got the Knicks who provide comedy relief. It's open mic night when the Knicks uh, perform there, and so they have been great, the New York Knicks, at staging civil wars in the bowels of Madison Square Garden. It's not a house, it's a house divided, is what the Knicks run there. Let's hear from David Fisdale, the coach of the Knickerbockers. Here's Fisdale, you'll hear the question and the answer, and it's all about whether or not the front office has his back. David, in what ways do you feel supported? Uh, just the fact that, that we talk every day. You know? oh, we talk. We're in constant communication with each other. Uh, we're very raw with each other, um, good or bad. Uh, none of us have an ego about it. We're all on the same page with where we're trying to get to. Um, you know, and, and at the end of the day, we're, we're all in this together. 
I, I love the sound of the basketballs dribbling in the back. But uh, Fizdale, he's got a four-year contract. I don't feel bad for Fizdale. I feel I've often said I feel bad for people that lose their job. They have no income coming in. They're on welfare, whatever. I feel bad for those people. David Fizdale, if he got fired today, he's got two years of severance coming his way, top dollar, and he'll get an assistant coach job somewhere else uh, in the NBA. Uh, so I don't feel bad for him. Uh, here's more from the coach of the Knickerbockers. And he, you'll hear the question and the answer, whether or not he's been given any kind of promise. Have um, you gotten any assurances? I got a two-and-a-half-year contract. That's my assurance. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's our business. The assurance is about that I have a contract. Take that for data. That's that's one of his great rants. That was uh, in a playoff series for Memphis against San Antonio. He had a, he had a rant there. So that's uh, that's David Fisdale, and uh, the tabloids are having a field day. They're reporting the Knicks right now in Midtown Manhattan are lining up a convoy of Brinks trucks, and they're going to drive in a convoy to Toronto, and they're going to deliver all that money to the Raptors and also to Masai Ujiri. Whatever happened with that thing in Oakland when he got into it with the fan, the police? Were, did anything come of that? Nothing happened? All right, anyway. I just when I saw his name flash up, I think I remember we did a whole night after Toronto won the championship about Masai Ujiri like punching a fan, a security guy, or shoving a security guy or something. Like that. There was an investigation; nothing came of it. Anyway, uh, he is seen now by James Dolan supposedly as the Messiah from Toronto, and they've got to get him to save the beleaguered franchise, just like Phil Jackson was going to save the franchise. Uh, don't hold your breath. Look at this objective. Like our our friends in Canada, like. Masai Ujiri, he's got a good thing going on. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be in Toronto the rest of his career, uh, and I don't think he will be in Toronto, but unless he's got some kind of romance with New York City, which we don't know about, why would you want to go from Toronto to the Knicks? Uh, you make a, he's making a, a good amount of money in Toronto, and you know New York has, I think they've got just as oppressive the taxes in New York as in, in Canada. So it's not like you're going to benefit from that. And working for the Knicks is being well compensated to live on a dead-end street, to live on the wrong side of the tracks. You think Bermuda Triangle. That's where the Knicks franchise resides, somewhere in the Bermuda Triangle. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. Yeah. This is when Big Ben gets grilled. Back from Veterans Day, the Coupe de Loop is a, have arrived. Here he is in ben. all his glory. Recent reports indicated that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is interested in buying an NFL franchise, and he has support among the current owners. Yeah. You think Bezos would be a good owner? Well, first of all, there is no team that is off limits when you have the kind of money that Jeff Bezos has. I mean, he's the richest dude in the world. Uh, He could buy multiple NFL franchises. He could buy every team in the NFL if he wanted to. The guy's worth like $110 billion. The the issue of him being a good owner is complicated, though, because a, typically a good owner, you simply hire people that know what they're doing. You, you keep your nose out of it. 
But if I owned an NFL team, I would be like Jerry Jones or Dan Snyder. What fun is it to own an NFL team and not trade players and fire players? I would want to be the GM. So I don't know how Bezos is wired. I don't know if he wants to be like Dan Snyder or Jerry Jones. But I know if it was me, I would want to be the guy making the trades. Now, secondly, the Seattle Seahawks are the obvious fit here. They just won the Monday night game. Their owner, Paul Allen, passed away at a young age. I think it was last year, end of last year. And so Bezos, he's got a home base. Amazon, obviously, they've got facilities all over the place, but their headquarters are in Washington State, uh, the Seattle area. So owning an NFL team it's you know it's it's kind of like art. It's it's owning. It's a status thing when you own an NFL team. But the other thing about this, and you know, being part of the Good Old Boys Network, now he's not married to Lauren Sanchez, but he's been dating Lauren Sanchez, and this is someone that myself and Eddie know from back in the day. And I, I would love if she would be like when I was a kid. When I was younger, the Rams had this uh, Georgia Frontieri who was this. You know, everyone hated her as the owner of the Rams and all that, and she inherited the team because. Uh, mysteriously, the owner of the team died in a swimming accident. Uh, yeah, there's conspiracy theories about that. But anyway, Georgia was a terrible owner. But I could see Lauren Sanchez like outliving Bezos and being like an owner of an NFL team at some point, eventually controlling owner. All right, next. Now, Ben, the Bengals are now 0-9 on the season. Congratulations. That's impressive. Yes, they have uh, fans showing up with paper bags now. Yeah. Uh, Most of the year, we've been talking about the Dolphins going winless on the year. They screwed that up. They did. But uh, now, do you think it'll actually be the Bengals to pull off the embarrassing feat? Well, I am pulling for the Bengals to go 0-16, but... This would be the most impressive, uh, most impressive 0-16 of them all if they were able to do it. The odds are against it, and I'll tell you why. Number one, if you look back at the 8 Lions of Dan Orlovsky, the 2017 Browns of Deshaun Kaiser, they had magical manure to go 0-16. Everything's got to line up just perfectly. It's very difficult to go 0-16, right? It's hard to do. You really have to earn it. Now, secondly... The problem with Cincinnati, I'm hoping, I'm I'm praying to God that they go 0 and 16 every you know every every week. I want them to lose. The problem with Cincinnati is the schedule gods are not shining on them to go 0 and 16. Bengals got seven games left because they're obviously played nine. Seven games left. Four of them, using Maller math, are very winnable games. Cincinnati plays the Jets. They've got the Dolphins home and road versus the Browns. That's four winnable games for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, all they have to do to is screw this up and win one of those games. They might even win two of those games. But you figure, worst-case scenario, they just by dumb luck, the Bengals win one of those four games. Uh, if not, they will be the worst of the 0-16 teams. I would say to, if you lose all four games to the Jets, Dolphins, and home and road to the Browns, you're the most impressive 0-16 team. You've passed by the 8 Lions. You've passed by the 2017 Browns. All right, next. Well, Ben, after the Jets were able to win their second game of the season, Sam Darnold said he thinks that the Jets can still make the playoffs if they win out. Does he have mono again? <laughs> Ben, I, we yeah. know that's not going to happen. All right. But let's play the what-if game. All right. Would 9-7 and seven be enough to get in? No. Uh, no, it's not going to be enough to get in. And, and it, listen, Sam Darnold seems like a nice enough guy. Uh, he also seems like he's got a bit of rube in him. You know, he's a country bumpkin. He's not. He's from like South Orange County, uh, I believe. But uh, these sound bites, I mean, my God, what a... 
what does he think? The Jet fan, like Fireman Ed and the rest of the Jets fans are a bunch of clueless morons. They Maybe he must think that. I mean, I, I know this is what you're supposed to say. We're going to win out. We want to win every game. It's not over yet and all that. But how about some real talk? Remember, they used to have a caller named Real Talk. How about some real talk? And B, Sam Who? Darnold, I'll tell you, he says this. You'll be seeing more ghosts. All right? The, hire the Ghostbusters there in the near future. The, the Jets making the postseason. It's like that famous quote from the old coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers before my time, of course, Rich McKay. And Tampa had just ended a 26-game losing streak. Coach of the Bucks was asked whether or not they could make the playoffs. He said if three or four plane crashes take place, we're in the playoffs, is what he said. I don't even know. Uh, the Jets, it might take more than that uh, for the Jets to get the playoffs. Anyway, there it is. Mallard of the third degree. How did we do? Ben, you pass this edition. That is a winner you put on the board. Yes. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Uh, why don't we introduce our contestants real quick? We don't play the open. Let's go. We got Matt in Pittsburgh. Hello, Matt. Hey, Ben. What's up, my man? What's going on, man? You ready to do this, Matt? I think so. Yeah, I think so. All right. Hold on a sec. And, uh, oh, boy. It's Matt and Matt. Uh, we've got Matt in Salt Lake. Hello, Matt. What's going on, Ben? Welcome in here. You you excited about this? You're uh, what, what yeah. You, I haven't what, played in a while. You haven't played. What, what's a while to you? Like three weeks? Like two, four weeks? No, it's been it's been two months. I think two months. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about the two months. But we'll let you play. Why? Not? I'm in a giving mood. Why not? We'll let you play. <laughs> Hold on a sec, Matt. Uh, so Matt, number one in Pittsburgh. Who do you want to partner up with, Matt? Um, you know what, Ben? Are you available? Uh, yeah, I believe I'm still available. I believe I'm available. Okay, sounds good. All right, so Matt and me, the other Matt, Matt in Salt Lake. Which guy do you want to partner up with, Matt? Uh, I'll go with Eddie. All right, very good. Cool. What are the categories real quick here so we can just get this out of the way? All right, this is the uh, Neil Young edition. He is 74 years old today. Who? Neil Young. Uh, the categories are Ohio, Old Man, yeah. Heart of Gold, okay. and Rockin' in the Free World. All right, Matt, number one, which category do you want? Would that be me? That would be you, Matt, number one in Pittsburgh. Yeah, Pittsburgh guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, let's go old man. Old man. All right, very good. And what about you, Matt, number two in Salt Lake? I'll go heart of gold. Heart of gold. All right, very good. Everyone, hold on. Don't hang up at all. We're going to have Mallers Mountain of Money in its entirety. We'll get to that. We'll do it next. Rice and beans. Right there, Roberto. Wow. Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Now, <laughs> Maller's Mountain of Money. Good Lord, that's a lot of money. Do you have what it takes to get to the top? Probably not. All right, let's do it. It's the Matt and Matt edition of Maller's Mountain Money. It's actually the Neil Young edition, but we have two guys named Matt that have called up to play. Matt is in Pittsburgh. And he is teaming up with me, Ben, and Matt is in Salt Lake, and he is teaming up. Let me punch the right line up. That's not the right line. Hold on a sec. Put you on hold. Put you over here. All right. All right, gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, Matt in Pittsburgh is teamed up with Ben. You chose the category old man. You're going to need to go through the whole list to get increasingly diffi- more difficult. Yeah. I need the first and last name. You have 45 seconds to go through the list. Are you ready, Matt in Pittsburgh? Yes, I am. All right, 45 seconds. These former athletes would be considered old men. 45 seconds, go. 
right, uh, quarterback of the Steelers in the 70s. He's on Fox Television. Uh, Terry Bradshaw. Correct. A running back in the 1960s for Cleveland. Big power back. Considered the greatest running back. Jim Brown. Correct. Uh, center for the Celtics in the 60s. Won the most NBA titles. Uh, Bill Russell. Correct. Uh, sweetness for the Chicago Bears running back in the 19... 19- Walter Payton. Yes. Uh, New York Mets starting pitcher in the 60s, the ace of the Mets. He went to the White Sox and the Reds also. Uh, team with Nolan Ryan with the Mets. No? Uh, uh, 1970s hockey, Boston Bruins, number four. Greatest defenseman of all time oh. in NHL history. Uh, Gordy Howe? No. Uh, Yankee pitching legend. 19- oh, all right. Uh, Gordy Howe. Yeah, that was bad. That's a bad job by you. Uh, Bobby Orr was who we were looking Bobby for Orr. there. Bobby Orr. All right, Orr. I believe you got... Um, you were number four, didn't you? Yes, you did. Yes. Right. Got 100 points. Oh, come on, man. All right, well... All right, let's go Salt Lake City, Matt. Here we go. All right. All right. Uh, you guys have Heart of Gold. These athletes are some of the most charitable. 45 seconds on the clock. Begin. Often injured pass rusher for the Houston Texans. Virginia Uh Former 49ers quarterback took a knee for the National Anthem. Colin Kaepernick. Uh, longtime veteran receiver for the Arizona Cardinals, number 11. Say again. Okay, thank you. Uh, just named manager of the Mets. Played in uh, the Major Leagues for a lot of years for a lot of different teams. From Puerto Rico. No, from Puerto oh. Rico. Um, just got named manager of the Mets. Won a World Series with the Astros. Played on a bunch of different teams. Uh, let's, yeah. let's skip it. Uh, defensive lineman for the Cowboys, but he's played for the Eagles and the Patriots, most notably for the Seahawks. Um, got arrested for running from the police in Vegas. Uh, oh, boy. I sucked that time. Wow. I'm uh, happy you did, though, Matt. Good job by you. I thought you were solid. That is only 60 points. Wow. Uh, you missed uh, Carlos Beltran. And then uh, Michael Bennett was that last one. This is my fault, Eddie, because I was in the hospital, so the game uh, shows went to hell. Salt, Salt Lake, Salt Lake, Matt, uh, you'll be going again since you are behind. Would you like Ohio or Rockin' the Free World? Ohio. All right. Ohio. All right, let's do it. These athletes are all from Ohio. 45 seconds on the clock. Begin. Current Jets running back. He sat out all last year with the Steelers. Uh, current Cleveland running back. He just came off a long suspension from the Chiefs. Yes, uh, star tight end for the Vikings. He just had two touchdowns on Monday Night, uh, Sunday Night Football. Yeah, uh, color analyst for Sunday Night Football, former receiver for the Bengals. He and Al Michaels. Yes, uh, greatest upset in boxing, knocked out Mike Tyson in Tokyo. Buster Holyfield. No, Buster, for, uh, Buster Douglas. Yes, um, two-time Heisman Trophy winner at Ohio State. I think he's the only one who's done that. Archie Griffin. Yes. Uh, one more. Uh, former Braves outfielder. He was married to Halle Berry. Uh, David Justice. Yes. I think you're in the table, right? He did. That is a 400 wow. total. Well done, Salt Lake City, Matt. Oh, wow. All very right. Good. Well, Matt, Matt in Pittsburgh, you got to wake up here. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Come on, man. Panic time. I'm not in this to lose these stupid game shows. I want to win these game shows. I've heard, uh, I've heard NBA is his weak... Uh, is weak sport, so Matt, no, unlucky. come on, Matt. Oh, you're screwed. But uh, <laughs> oh, anyway, I, oh my god, you could just quit. Rock, Rocking in the free world is the category. These athletes all came to America to play sports. Oh, yeah. Don, Don Cherry's favorite players. Racist. Yeah. Forty-five seconds. All right. Racist. Begin. All right, the Greek freak for the Milwaukee Bucks. Ah, uh, get get come. Oh man. <laughs> 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 
Center for the 76ers. He played at Kansas. He's got a big mouth. He's a good soundbite. Oh, man. I no? know he All right. Like uh, Toronto Raptors, small oh. forward. He replaced Ka- uh, Kawhi Leonard. He's had a great start to the season for Toronto. Yeah, uh, you know Marcel loves uh, him. Korean, Great job. Korean pitcher for the Dodgers back in the day. He gave up two grand oh, slams uh, in the same inning. A uh, day. Uh, no, no, that's Japan. <laughs> All right, uh, catcher for the Reds in the nineteen seventies. Uh, catcher for the big red machine. No, you suck. Yeah, All right, right. Uh, you're terrible. Racist. Wow, that's uh, I mean, mad. Who's I the mean. Greek freak again? <laughs> yeah, you know Gianni. Yanni, yeah, Yanni, the Greek freak known as Yanni. Yeah, uh, Giannis and Terakumpo, you miss Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Siakam. and then uh, <laughs> Chanho Park, not uh, not Hideo Nomo. It's a bad job by you. Yeah, thank you. Salt Lake City Matt is clearly superior to the Pittsburgh Matt. I'd say. Uh, apparently Probably so. Right. Matt, Matt, I'm giving you a, a yeah. Matt in Pittsburgh. I'm going to give you a cheat code that. Koopa Loop, who writes these questions, loves the NBA. So if you don't like the NBA, these game shows are probably not for you because there's going to be a lot of NBA names in these games. There's a shows. lot of football names, too. It's it's a nice mixture. Yeah, that was a lot of basketball. Yeah, right. That was basketball heavy. I didn't even get to Luka Doncic or Rick Smith's, the, dun- was he, the Duncan Dutchman, Dutchman yeah. back in the day for the Pacers. From Marist. Yeah, I saw him in the – he was like the second pick in the draft. He had no skills at all other than being seven foot four. I think that was the only – Which is a good skill to have, by the way. It's a good skill. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.